Are you okay? I just thought of something really funny. That's so you're like, <laughs> so everything's everything's no, nah, it's not. It's it's a little bit disrespectful, but it'd be very. It was it was Excellent. very funny. I'm very Anyways, excited. Okay. go ahead. Yeah. Hello, my name is Catherine Troyer, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Such a Nightmare podcast. And today we're doing something completely different. First, Tony is not here. Tony is gone for now, for this moment in time. And instead, I am joined by Mark Garrett, who I have warned is going to have to introduce himself because everything that he's affiliated with has words that I can't pronounce. So, Mark, would you be willing to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So, yes, my name is Mark, um, and... Mostly, I'm I'm probably known for my YouTube channel, Cardavox Academy, uh, where we do breakdowns of pretty much exclusively metal music, and I I talk about uh, vocal technique and some some music and composition, but I really stick to like harsh and, and metal vocals. Um, and obviously, in the metal world, there is a lot of horror influence. Yes. Um, there's a, there's a lot of that, and then. Um, outside of that, uh, I'm, I'm in a band called Kardashev, where I am the vocalist, and I do a lot of those screamy, grotesque sounds, but also some some cleaner, cleaner, uh, more traditional sounds as well. So those those are my two main uh, my two main uh, spaces. Do you know that I sometimes put on your reaction videos as my background music at work because I find you very soothing even and, and there's something like you'll be like no I have some thoughts and then you and then of course you know you break out the screaming and they're like so what are your thoughts about that and I'm like yes as I'm sending emails so you are on rather frequently in between like the soundtrack to Hamilton and Disney piano music so I kind of mm. those are the ones I, I alternate from um, so you know that's wow. what's going on in an average day in my office so you know I did not know that, but earlier before we started, when you were like, "You're always apologizing to your editor," I'm like, "Okay, so she's she's actually seen a couple oh, yeah. videos. No, she's I, actually watched a few. I go through the backlog and I just watch them all, and and I learn about you know people I've never heard of because I'm I like music, but I'm not good at music, and and I I don't just mean like good at not good at playing. I mean I don't have any understanding of how to hear lyrics. Like for a very long time, that song about um, Hey Paradise. Oh no, now I don't even remember the parking lot song, right? I mm. thought it was like, hey, paradise, pull out a pocket knife. And I was like, I don't understand that. I mean, it would took me like decades. And that's a pretty clear song. And a lot of heavy metal songs do not have such clear lyrics. So I, I really no. struggle. But like you breaking it down is just always really helpful. And like you said, so much of it is horror based. So there's always that sort of element that I get to, to listen to as well. So anyone yeah. who's listening to this should definitely be checking out these reaction videos. And I saw the one that you did on, on Ice Nine Kills. You you had one on one of their songs. I don't remember which one now. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember either. Yeah, that's okay. You um, have so many of them. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I did. And that was a fun video as well because, you know, um, oftentimes I'm talking about things that are more my expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it was the American Nightmare. There we go. Um, and uh, Ice Nine Kills is a little bit... You know, it's a different style of singing and vocals than I do and than I teach. How so, so? Well, he he's much more focused on a, a vocal style called like a, a vocal fry. Mm -hmm. He mixes it, uh, or well, a fry scream, vocal fry and fry screams aren't exactly the same thing. And he mixes it in with a lot of very high, very belty, very tenor uh, spaces. And he's got a very strong 
like contemporary pop rock tone. Whereas in most of the music I have done and in most of what I teach, it's sludgy, incoherent goblin noises. And, <laughs> you know, it sounds like it sounds like, you know, Satan's sewage system is acting up. Yes. So it's it's a much more poppy melodic sound than I generally teach and do. But it's it's fun to listen to sometimes because I get I get uh, to be a little bit more of an observer than a dissector. Yeah. And that's that's always fun. And it's so funny that you say that because I I played their their Candyman song um, for my class. So I teach a topics and horror class and we watched the original Candyman and then we watched the requel that came out in 21. And I played for them the song and at first I was like, oh, I don't know why I was so worried. This isn't that intense. And then it got to the more, you know, like fry part and I was like oh wait uh right and my students like several of them got real uncomfortable and I'm like we're watching horror movies and this is the this was their line in the sand so it's interesting yep. that you say that in some ways this is the more poppy version because I think for people that don't listen to a lot of this music like it's you know if pop for them is like Backstreet Boys right this right. is definitely not quite Backstreet Boys Exactly. It's, and it's a tough term because, like, you know, you can't say that, like, you know, Ice Nine Kills and Doja Cat sound very similar. Yeah. Um, but Ice Nine Kills certainly has its foot in the pop yep. pop rock world more so than, like, my one of my favorite bands, uh, Cattle Decapitation. You know oh. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with them. Have you done yeah, a that, video on them? I've done a cup. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I've done a couple. Funny thing is, Cattle Decapitation was originally the original members were almost all vegan, and it's like a tongue in cheek. Oh, yeah, it's it's awesome. a tongue in cheek. Yeah, all their lyrics are about like you know, yeah, pollution and factory farming and oh, wow. you know, capitalism bad and stuff like that. That's so cool. I so like that a lot. it's yeah, it's a yeah. shock value name for sure. But they're yeah. very good. They're very good. Okay, I'll have to go back and and scroll it because like I, I listened to you for a while and then I realized that like. Since you're in the background, I don't always hear everything you're saying because, you know, mm. I'm sending an email. It's always an email. Sure, <laughs> but, sure. but, like, I don't know. I, I know I've seen the ones with L Lorna. Lorna Shore. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say mm -hmm. Lorna Dune, but I'm pretty sure that's a novel from, like, the 17th century. So, you know, probably not that one. It is, uh, yeah. It's a yeah, 1869. Yes, yep. my English degree has gone. <laughs> you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt was paid off for this one moment. There you go. In time. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we're gonna do is something similar to to what you do on your channel, except for less intense because I'm the one having to edit it. <laughs> and that is, we'll just kind of like play some of the music, and then talk through it, and I'll. I'll bring my my horror knowledge and the fact that I printed out the lyrics so I know what they say, and then you can you can help with all the the music because that's what I that's what I really appreciate about Ice Nine Kills is that they think very carefully about the tone and of that movie that they're referencing and then right and then they make sure that their song fits it so that they do have a, a quite a variety in terms of of their music like that Candyman one is rather romantic right which of course mm. is is important because Candyman is like the creepiest love story ever. Um, so, you know, it works, it works really nicely or they're like one on American psycho feels very eighties, nineties pop. Right. So right. this one that we're going to be looking at is thank God it's Friday, which, and I'm just going to like completely read from my piece of paper came out in their fifth album, which was the silver scream from fearless records in 2018. And it should be clear from from the name, but if not, it's it's their Friday the Thirteenth homage, right? And so mm -hmm. they have like some real 
direct and explicit ways that it's in there. But some of their songs, when you listen to them, like you have to figure out which movie it is. This one, if you don't know by the, I mean, like by the first three lines that it's Friday the 13th, something's probably really wrong. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Either that or you haven't seen a lot of, a lot of horror movies, you know, funny story about ice nine kills. Guess who the get like I had never heard of Ice Nine Kills in my life. Guess who introduced me to Ice Nine Kills? Was it Steph? It was Steph. Excellent. Yep. So Steph, for those of you, I, I've mentioned my partner before. I don't think I've ever named her, but yeah, she. I don't. I don't know how she found them. Like I don't. That's not typically what she listens to. It was. It was so funny because like I, I hadn't seen her in a while and she walks up and that's like one of the first things she said. She's like, she's like, hey Mark, how's it going? Have you heard of Ice Nine Kills? And I was like, no. How have things been? So she's like, you you gotta check. And she like pulls up the song on her phone, and I was like, I was like, yeah, this is pretty That's cool. So this is pretty cool. So yeah. And but obviously, like your your community knows about them because they're the ones that asked you to to make the the reaction video on Ice Nine Kills, if I remember correctly. So it's just yeah, that so. you just didn't have that overlap. Yeah, you know, quite quite honestly, like when it comes to to music, Ice Nine Kills, like. They're very, 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 very good, but they're not really what I would spin on like my normal afternoon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, in fact, I don't even spin a lot of metal because it's, it's mostly my job. So I listen to a lot of like world music and stuff. Yeah, yeah so you're right. It was, uh, it was their choice uh, for that month for me to react to and all that. Yeah, yeah that's neat. Uh, yeah, I have no idea how she found them, but she saw them in Louisville after, after she told you about them. Um, so she was just like, listen to them and then she made me listen and then I was like oh yeah this is this is good I can I can put this in between again my, my Hamilton and, and Disney music so <laughs> right. I, I yeah. like my students to be a little traumatized when they come to my office so like I don't know if you can see that I have Pennywise back there but I alternate oh, yeah. like Pennywise with um like romantic style art from like the the pre-raphaelites so it's just like I want people to be confused and I feel like Ice Nine Kills <laughs> it emphasizes that so sure. we'll go ahead and start playing. Now, I know in your reaction videos, I feel like you stop like the second it starts. And that's one of my favorite parts because you're always apologizing. You're like, I'm so sorry. And you're like, but I'm going to stop even though we're only five seconds in. Um, sure. I, I don't know. I'm going to let you kind of do the same thing. So we'll listen for a little bit. And then you tell me, like, give me some sort of signal and we'll we'll stop. And, and you can tell me your wisdom. You know, that's interesting because I always decide when to stop based on vocal technique. And right now we're talking a little bit more about storytelling. Yeah. So, you know, like it's almost like we'll be listening more for like story beats. Yes. Through the, yes. the composition. Ooh, I'm yeah. I'm so excited about this. Okay. I'm going to hit play. Let's do it. I, I see. Oh, oh! Look at the timestamp that you paused it. Oh, isn't this like your magic timestamp that you always do it at like forty-two seconds? For some reason, and I think it's just—I think it's just the underlying math that yeah. 
that music runs on, I almost always pause in the 40 second window. And usually, usually between like 42 and like 48 or something. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think mean, you're right. I think it is the math, right? Because there's that game Hurdle, which is the like music version of Wordle, which I play despite the fact that I know no music. And the only time <laughs> I get it right, it is literally when it's Backstreet Boys and I'm very ashamed. <laughs> but... But you know the you they will play one second, two, four, sixteen, and the fact that you can identify you know that consistently songs at those marks like I think there's something about that forty would right be the next one after like sixteen seconds. So what Must made be. you what made you tell me to pause right there? Uh, it, it's because the song was taken off. Yeah, uh, the song was the song was really going, and and also like a, it's, you know so many things that happened in such a small amount of time. Yeah, um, and like you know spencer the the singer for any uh, the singer for anyone who's who's unfamiliar um he has been on record saying like and, and like you mentioned earlier he really heavily focuses he's very focused on on storytelling and you know re like bringing the feeling of these old horror movies to music yeah <clears throat> and so you know i i don't hesitate to think that this is very intentional but like I had two thoughts at the very beginning. The first was like, oh, we've got the fireplace. We've got the guitar. We've got all the people singing together. And I was like, no, oh, this is this is in, in, in the original video. I think there's the scene of the campfire. And I was like, OK, so they're obviously <clears throat> and it makes sense for the content of the song. They're obviously building this like campfire aesthetic, yeah. this summer camp thing. And then my second thought is like, no way everybody's singing on key at summer camp. though. <laughs> like, <laughs> What are you talking like, about? That was my experience. <laughs> every, every voice was, yeah. was beautifully on, on pitch and, and it was lovely. Um, but yeah, and the, the use of reverb to make some of the like reverb and mixing to make some of the voices sound like really, really far away. I think mm. they were probably trying to emphasize like the echo that you sometimes get out in the forest and things like that. Yeah. So cool. it's interesting because the, so Friday the, the 13th and the 1980 film it starts in in the 50s right because that's when um and i'm really bad at dates so if that is incorrect i apologize i did just recently watch this film but that means nothing uh and it's them gathered around and they're singing and then a couple of them are like hey susan you want to go up to the creepy loft and make the babies and it's it's interesting because you know it's 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 not really a fifties vibe. It's, it's like a 1970s vibe that they're pretending is in the fifties. So there's, hmm. there's something really interesting about this, this film or this song starting with this, what I would associate more with like the, the 1970s style camp, right? Where everyone is yeah. singing the like Kumbaya in harmony. And you're like, Oh, of course it works that way. And it's, it's one of the, the points I think early in the film that just really establishes the idea that like camp is utter nonsense. Like the whole concept of camp, is so fake, right? You're going to go out to the woods <laughs> and you're going to learn how to like shoot bows and arrows and ride horses and like repel. It's like, first off, when are you ever going to use any of those skills elsewhere? So there's already this like air of artificiality, right? Being sure. established. And it sounds like the music is, is doing that through some of the echoey effects too. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, most, most definitely. Um, and, and, you know, after that moment, it's so funny you say that camp is so artificial because I'm we 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 probably went to the same summer camp quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, we did. <laughs> growing up, yo, I should um, mention I've known you for decades now. Uh, well, right? I met I met uh, I met Ricky, your your yeah. brother, um, when I was nine, and I feel like I met you shortly after. Yeah. Um. So let's yeah, do some fun yeah, math. I was going to say like that means nothing to me. 20, 25 years. Oh my gosh. 
You yeah. actually are probably one of the people that I like. I don't know my friends. I don't have friends as old as Ricky does. Ricky has kept all of his friends, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I've just mm-hmm. gently set mine aside for various reasons. I think because I'm an introvert. But like, you might be one of the people that I've known the longest, right? Like, really? even independent wow. of my own friends. Yeah. So that's that makes me really happy. But yes. Um. Anyway. So that's yes, nuts. we most certainly. Uh, I think overlapped a little bit over camp, although I mainly went to the one in Colorado and I know you were in the one in Arizona, but oh yeah, yeah. But yes. But what were you going to say about the artificiality of camps? <laughs> so I was, I was actually going to segue into the, the opening scream he does, which I thought was like very appropriate for, for horror mo- movies, especially of this era. Right. Because, you know, me as certainly a lover of horror, but far from a horror buff. Yeah. Right. Um, when I think of horror movies from like, the 50s through like maybe the 70s which you know maybe you're like wow it's way too wide of a window probably it is but um i think of very high very shrill screams very bright noises you you watch them and it's so funny because nowadays in cinema in a lot of scary movies or movies with like scary concepts such as like you know dune or um uh cloverfield or any of these it's a lot of low tones it's a lot of like boom back then it was like that type of thing right and so he comes in with this blood curdling uh uh fry i i often i like to say like sometimes when a scream is mixing concepts or mixing things i'll say like it's a fry forward scream because there's a lot of fry influence there but it's very reminiscent of the types of screams that you would hear like you can just see the scene in your head you know they're all playing and then you know somebody wandered off to the pool when they weren't supposed to stab and then you hear that scream and that would shift the tone of the movie and it shifts the tone of the song so i thought that was pretty cool how abrupt and reminiscent of that it was yeah that's really i mean that's a an amazing observation and i think you're so right that we've really kind of done away with that because now We've acknowledged, you know, like especially A24 horror, so like Hereditary and Midsommar, right, is so interested on the things that lurk in the shadows that are going to be dark, mm-hmm. right? Dark, literally dark um, in terms of the auditory ambiance being created. But but you're right. If we go back to Psycho, which is going to have our original like re, re, re sound, you know, onward, it's going to be it's going to be loud um, and bright. And it's interesting that he's he's doing that because at that point, right, he's doing the key, 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 ma, 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 right? The, the very famous um, thing, refrain that Harry Manfredini made for the music, which is the kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. Um, oh. Yeah. And so and I'm saying this because that's what the lyrics that I printed off the Internet said is happening. And, and like having <laughs> gone back and listened, I can hear him saying it. Um, I can go back if, and try and we can listen to it if and see if you can hear him him doing that after he says the curse of Crystal Lake. They go into that mm-hmm. before they've gone go into the real um, sort of heavy fry. I don't even know what fry is. I'm using that word as though I know what it is. What is sure. <laughs> what is fry? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so basically vocal fry is it's a speech. It's a speech science term mm. and it's the term for our lowest register and everybody does it. Uh, you can hear me doing a little bit right now, but it's that, uh, oh. which is sound, the sound right? from the grudge, which is the sound from the grudge. And essentially long story short, what we can do is we can take that. Uh, and I'm not going to do like a, a full loud one because the levels are not prepped for it. <laughs> also, also quite honestly, my fry screams aren't like amazing. They're okay at best. I don't um, even know how one would rank levels or degrees of fry awesomeness. So 
consistency is a good big one tone is another okay. a lot of the same things that you would do with like a singing voice but we can take that fry tone uh and we can put it in a higher place of our voice uh, uh, and then we include that so basically the very edges of our vocal folds are vibrating with a more uh, a larger open phase and then the body of our vocal folds are vibrating more so like they would during normal phonation, like what I'm doing yeah. now. Um, and then we just learn over a long period of time how to project it, but also without putting a ton of pressure underneath the vocal folds. Okay. Um, and it's very, it's, it's, it requires a lot of people who do really good fry screams. Um, uh, they've, they've built really good dexterity if they're doing them properly. That's interesting. And it's interesting that, I mean, when you make the sound, right, it really is the, the death rattle sound from the grudge, right? And there's the sound. Yeah. Like, I remember when that movie came out, that was the big thing to do to like scare people, right? Is you just kind of make that sound. So it's very fitting uh, that it's what's happening here. Yeah. Here in this music. Uh, but much. yeah, he's, so he's, so they say the ma, ma, ma thing a couple of times and then they get to, to the lyrics. So I know a lot of times on your videos, you like end up, not rewinding because we're not using v VCRs anymore. You, you end right. up going back a little bit. Do you want us sure. to go back a little bit? Is that is that what happens next? Yeah, that's probably what I would do so we could hear that. And you know, since since you're just capturing desktop audio, you're not doing anything crazy. It yeah. shouldn't it shouldn't make the editing process any 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 uh, very difficult at all. Okay, perfect. So let me take it back. I'm gonna take it back to like thirty seconds in, randomly chosen. Perfect. You gotta go back farther. Yeah, I do. Let me go back. I think, yeah, take it to like 15. 15. And then you can is. just you can just edit that part out. Or I can leave it in as the magic of the t of <laughs> a uh, really bad video. <laughs> you could, you could, yeah. I have a question. So when when they switch from that, because they they've divided up their um, refrain, right, has a different sort of musical aesthetic than sure than the rest of of their lyrics. How hard is that to to switch? I mean, because it feels like it's a it's a pretty distinct switch in terms of sound. But is it hard to do in terms of like the actual singing to switch from that sort of like screaming level to the more traditional like poppy sounds? It, it, it yes I, simply put yes it, it you know there are some people who are just like naturally gifted um i and most other people i know uh, are not those people yeah. um but generally speaking when you're thinking about you know your vocal technique and you're switching gears there are so many things that go into like you know holding a steady tone holding just like you know even a right even holding that which is nothing mm -hmm. right there's airflow there's air pressure there's uh laryngeal positioning right so sometimes your larynx is higher sometimes your larynx is lower um and so 
you know, you can be you can be kind of smart and you can say like, okay, well, my high fry belt feels kind of like a clean belt. So I'm going to switch from a high fry belt into a clean belt. Or you can really challenge yourself and say, I'm going to go from, you know, a high fry belt to a really soft, you know, pulled back falsetto. Uh, and it's all muscle. It's just all intentional repetition uh, and, and, and good, good, good vocal technique. So what he's doing is, is it, it takes a, a high level of proficiency for sure. Yeah. So one of the things I think is really interesting about this song is that it's the, you know, it's in this, this we, right. It's all like our mistakes, you know, our throats. And so it's interesting that, that they chose to tell this story from the perspective of the counselors because, mm. you know, the counselors are, are not the bad guys, certainly not in the, not the counselors that include like Alice and Jack, who's played by Kevin Bacon. Like they're, they're actually, they've done nothing wrong other than just happen to be at the camp, but it's still a very interesting decision. I feel like to, to have us be with the people that are going to be punished. Right. And the yeah. music video explores that a little bit further. Cause he's not like the psychiatrist. And so he's like, you know, well, actually we've all died, but I just, I think that's a, an interesting decision to do. And I'm not sure I have anything more to say than, than I just think it's really fascinating that we're supposed to like be singing along with the, the victims. Right. But also the, the ones who are doing the bad things like the sex and stuff. Yeah. It, you know, it's, inter it, it is kind of interesting as well, because in a lot of metal, if, if it's like horror based metal, usually it's the voice of the, of the, of the monster mm. or the villain. Very often it's, it's the voice of the killer. Um, you know, you go back and listen to, you know, old Cannibal Corpse and even more, you know, more newer stuff. And very rarely, if it's if it's like a, a horror story with a character, yeah. are, their voice in the character. And it makes sense because the, the voices are so like monstrous, right? Yeah. Um, I also thought that there was a really cool thing that they did in the song, which is admittedly a common songwriting technique. But again, uh, you know, from what uh spencer has said in, in interviews I, I tend to lean towards it being intention intentional mm -hmm. but there's this big moment and then it slows down and the guitars go bum and then there's a pause bum and then there's a pause bum because it mm -hmm. kind of reminds me it's so common in horror movies like you know the person's walking down the hallway and then you see the person run across the ceiling and then yeah. they turn around and then all of a sudden there's nothing yes. there's nothing scary yes. for a while and that absence of scariness is what makes it scary when you know the the monster finally jumps out. And sometimes you'll you'll get like a you'll get like a violin string going like whoop yeah whoop whoop whoop. So it's kind of like almost that we have this big moment, then we have a drop and tension building, and then from there it goes into like these really monstrous yeah. like all distortion, no 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 pitch to be able to be heard uh, screams. And when I was listening to that, I was like, this this fool did that on purpose. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah, because it mimics that sort of like, it's not a sustainable, being chased is, does not create a sustainable emotional and physiological response, right? Like we have to, mm. you can't permanently be in fight or flight. And I would, like, if I go real intense, I would argue that's one of the problems we've all been facing with the pandemic, right? Is that we've mm. been in this state of fight or flight for so long that we are just, it's not, that's not meant to be sustained, right? You're not meant to stay in that, that state. And so in horror movies, we have to have that, right? We have to have that, that moment where, um, much like Jack Torrance in The Shining, right? Where he has to like dump the pressure in the boiler so that the, the overlook doesn't explode, right? Like you have to dump the pressure so that people can like return back to normal heart rate so that when something else happens, it can be, mm. right? It can ratchet it up because otherwise it becomes, 
just like average, right? When you're constantly in a state of fear, you're not scared at some point because it's not right. right? And I think that's what the music is doing. Yeah, I think so too. And that's a common criticism of a lot of metal actually. It's really? that it's all ma Yeah, is that it's all ma especially metal that has all screaming mm -hmm. is that it's all maximal all the time. They're like, you know, when when you do nothing but scream, yeah. I hear nothing but screaming and I kind of get used to it. And it's like that's tr that's definitely true, but I, I feel like you either get used to it and you love it or you get used to it and you hate it. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? And is yeah. that what the major like reaction to that would be is that is that like it's intentional yeah so most definitely essentially you know there are different reasons why why bands choose to do exclusively screaming um but oftentimes you know oftentimes screaming can be a very cathartic experience for the the, the vocalist because like what were we doing hundreds of thousands of years ago sure. you know we were running around shaking sticks and yelling yeah. you know what i mean yeah and uh, also other times you know certain emotions in my opinion you know what's what's going to convey a blood curdling scream the most probably a blood curdling scream right yeah, yeah and then there is there is of course this is very big in the genre of metal called deathcore where it's all about like being flashy and exit like like um putting your technique on display so like if if you think back to like you know the um the shredders of of the 80s like Ingve Malmsteen and all those guitar players who were just like nonstop on their guitars like it was about the panache of the style and that can be too it's like look what i can do look how many yeah. crazy crazy sounds i can fit into 5 seconds yeah uh that makes and sense. you know i get i get a little bit bored of that but i think that there's a place for it because it it pushes the boundaries of the sounds we can make you know yeah and you know i think that there are horror movie equivalents now i i won't be able to to think of any, but you know, that like have made that decision that they want you to be on edge the whole time because, because that's, that's the point they're trying to make, right? That, sure. That that situation will be that way. But 1980s, 1970s horror, definitely not, right? It's going to be like right. spooky thing. Okay. Unspooky thing. Spooky thing. Nope. Nope. We're going to go back to normal. And they just kind of like go back and forth through that. And Friday the 13th does that really well. Uh, you know, I think Halloween does it as well. Like really just those early slashers wrote wrote the formula of how to do that so that we're constantly able to release that pressure before we we go back into things right yeah yeah that's interesting now i gotta go back and watch more of that era of horror movies you know this is my first time watching friday the 13th this the franchise all the way through because i i mm -hmm. really like nightmare on elm street that's my my like jam because uh, i like horror comedy i like if i'm gonna pick it's gonna be horror comedy and, and friday the 13th mm -hmm. is not not even close to to horror comedy, but rewatching it this time, I was able to appreciate it. I think a little bit more because of things like like this song, right? Where I was like, no, there's a whole a whole culture that is almost more important than the original film. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how far back should I should I take it? Take uh, I think we could probably just Press pick it up from here. Excellent. Honestly, yeah. Okay.
Bye. Yeah. So was any of that from the actual movie or is that a sound clip that they created? I think it's from, it's certainly from the franchise. I I don't want to say that it's for sure from that film because like I told you earlier, I have the, the memory of a very small rodent. So even <laughs> even though I will have just watched something, I'll be like that one character and they'll be like, you mean the main character? And I'm like, yes, what was their name again? So I it's, right. it, I think it is, right? Um, I think it's the yeah. speech that she gives uh, when she's explaining, when Pamela Voorhees is explaining, you know, like why she's having to, to take out all the people. But I don't know if it's sure. put together, like from several yeah. different speeches or if it, that's from that one. So that was a long way it, of saying I don't know. <laughs> it sounded like it because, you know, she had that sort of like, accent i feel like you know back in like the 20s and 30s we had the transatlantic accent and then i feel like in like the 60s and 70s we had another like movie accent and she kind of had that so either and betsy palmer like this wasn't her typical thing that she was going to do right like she was more known for some more traditional stuff where she would have had that affect whereas like none of the none of the camp camp counselors have it right so she really like distinctly has a voice that sounds very different from everyone else Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was from the movie, and I'll take I'll take the hit if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I certainly know some of those lines are. I just don't know if that entire speech was all one speech or if it was like a couple of different conversations. Uh yeah. Um. That's that's a good point. Yeah. The the only thing from that section that I I really have to contribute is that uh he was singing a really a really healthy sounding D five, and that is incredibly impressive. What does that um, What does that mean? So a, uh, a essentially like when we're now like I'm just gonna own it. I don't know a whole lot about music theory, um, not a ton. But essentially like when we have our our notes, especially like across a piano, right? We have our octaves. So we have like the really like the the lower the number, the lower the octave. Okay. okay. Right. So for example, um, if I sing like um, goodness, I don't know, like a C a C three. That's hey right there, hey. Eight notes above that gives me a C4. Hey, right there like that. Above that gives me a C5. And that is where most yeah. <clears throat> most people with vocal folds the shape and size of mine mm-hmm. are going to have some trouble. And they're going to have to do some compensating to make those notes work. So um, on, a, on a piano, middle C would be what? Which of the numbers? Or not? It can... It can technically a little bit vary okay. depending on what brand, but 99% of the time, uh, your middle C is going to be C4. Okay. Okay. So he is, oh, wow. he is one octave, he's one octave plus one note above middle C and in That's really impressive. most, yeah. And again, most, most, most people with vocal anatomy like mine, their vocal break is going to be around like F, F sharp, mm-hmm. uh, four. So he's, he's up in the stratosphere for 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 that uh, you know i mean he's definitely a tenor and yeah. a tenor is going to have an easier time to get there than right, like right. a bass or a baritone like me um, are you a baritone is that what you are or are you a probably bass? okay uh no no okay. I'm, I'm not yeah i i uh you know i've never like sat down with like an actual classical or opera singer and had them like but from everything like i know vocal vocal type is a lot more than just the notes you can sing mm. um it's like the weight of your voice the way that your voice interacts with uh with different pitches and sounds and placements and stuff but all all signs point to me being uh baritone as farts uh you know were you in did you take, were you in choir? And we went to the same, to the same high school of like yeah. five people. Uh, were you in choir <laughs> while you were there? 
Yeah, Mr. Loikert. Yeah. He was uh okay. he was uh he was the choir director. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I didn't even um cuz I think he retired after you all. So yeah. That's interesting. I just don't remember cuz we didn't overlap. I'm pretty sure you graduated had graduated yeah. by the time. What year did you graduate? 2002. Right? My freshman year my freshman year was the year after you graduated. Yeah, okay, okay. So we never overlapped cuz I was in choir too and that's why I was just yeah. curious. Um, yeah. I also just wanted to know, like, when you started singing, because obviously the stuff we were doing for choir for our very conservative um, academy was not probably the stuff you sing now. So, <laughs> no, no, I remember I remember the pantomimes. The pantomimes were, were crazy. We did we did one to turn around, you know, that like that song. And it was so funny because, like, um, we all had these signs and each one of these oh, signs no. was a sin and my sin was sex oh you know so like, I don't... like there was there was cigarettes and there was alcohol and there oh. was like you know and all that stuff and then like in the play every time it said turn around one of the sins would turn around oh my and gosh. like how capture... did i miss this you missed it yeah. and and uh one of the sins would like capture the girl who was walking across stage. And then all of a sudden we're like, all we're all like huddled oh around gosh. here. And then I really need you tonight. She stands up oh and she's holding gosh. a sign that says prayer and everybody falls down. <laughs> this, I mean, you basically just summed up <laughs> the entire experience of, yeah. of what it was like to be in, uh, at that school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, we sang Oklahoma. The like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> out of all the musicals. I don't know why that one, because none of us could hit the notes. And so then Mr. Loiker in like the kindest way possible, we really sat at us. So, <laughs> you know, um, but okay. Yeah. I had a question. So there's, there's the line in there where he, he and again, I'm reading hundred percent from the, the lyrics. Sure. It says killed in the climax of debauchery. We learned the hard way when he came for our lives on lives on the 13th day. I felt like he, like that was all in one breath. It sounded like, was that? It, it might have been. That seemed it like a been. lot. I don't know. I mean, I know that like that's legitimately all the things you're working on, right? Is like breath control and lung, con and but like it still seemed yeah. like he was doing an awful lot in there. Um, I don't know if it felt that way to you, knowing much more about what's actually happening. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely holding phrases uh, pretty pretty well. So one of the things that that can really help. Um, can really help with holding long phrases. And, you know, that can be really important for, for storytelling and music because a breath can be a bit jarring and abrupt. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, one of the things you, you want to think about is you want to think about, like, vocal balance, right? And you want to think about utilizing airflow to do the work for you. For example, like, think about, think about like, the compressed air you use to, like, clean your keyboard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to squeeze that can. You don't have to push on that can there's pressure inside of the can and then physics takes over right so what you essentially are doing is you're setting up your body you're positioning your diaphragm you're positioning your ribs and your abdominal muscles to create a very low pressure system so that you open your mouth you put your you put your uh uh um vocal folds you know and you position your your mouth to be the the, the pitch that you want and then the air kind of escapes by itself mm. um now to anybody listening who might be a singer i don't want you to hear that and think and translate that translate that into mark says more pressure is good the <laughs> the uh, the amount of subglottal pressure we need which is just pressure underneath the vocal folds is very minimal <laughs> and high notes 
pretty much i guess unless you're doing like a like a falsetto or you're intentionally singing breathy high notes don't require a whole lot of pressure so if you're if your if your method is more pressure you're you're doing it wrong for sure yeah so um and you know i'll have students sometimes where um you know and this isn't me like patting my own back it's like easy mode it's easy mode right <laughs> yeah, yeah um you know i can i can get them to to hold you know maybe they can hold a note for for six seconds and mm-hmm. then a little bit of tweaking they're holding it for like 20 to 25 oh, seconds wow. yeah yeah it's just about it's just about balance yeah. it's about understanding how the system works more in more cognizantly than we would just talking because most of us use our voice and we don't have any idea how it works right you know what i mean yeah well and, and like i know a lot of people talked about the fact that wearing a mask was really hard for them teaching right because suddenly they were having to talk much louder and and i just sure couldn't help but think that they clearly should have had some sort of vocal lessons at some point in their life or theater lessons or something because i was like i that's not the issue i'm having i have lots of other issues but like you know <laughs> if, if you've been if you've had any sort of just like mild training i feel like that was not an issue uh, because for yeah. those very reasons you said. And I know one of the things you talk a lot about on your videos is, and you're, you make very clear that you're not in, in any way, shape or form belittling the efforts, but you know, the music is usually recorded before they're making the video, right? Like they're not, it's not yes. live. And so I think the music video for this film is very misleading because it's a lot of like him, like hunched over, right? And doing things that I assume would not actually help him to have the, the delivery that he does, right? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, and you see that a lot. Yeah. I, I, I even, like in, in our most recent music video, I'm definitely overperforming a little bit yeah. to make it, make, it, make it good. But like, yeah, there's, there's kind of a balance point because as you become proficient in singing, you can learn to sort of like absorb the shock, so to wow. speak, and yeah. main, maintain, uh, uh, maintain vocal tone and, and and vocal power in these positions, but it's not super sustainable and it doesn't mean it's ever like super good. So like, you know, you'll see a lot of vocalists go crazy in a music video and then in a show they have moments where they go crazy yeah, yeah. and it's, it's strategic moments where they know they're, they're not actually doing something very complicated. Um, there are some vocalists who are nonstop all the time and they are the exception and not the rule. Yeah. And sometimes you know, sometimes they don't do vocals as long as they would like to. So yeah, there's that. Speaking of strategy. So at this point in the song, right, we're hearing Mrs. Voorhees talking. Is there, I, I mean, I know they wanted to get her in because it makes sense, right? This is Friday the 13th. But like, is this also a good place for someone who is not them to be having a couple moments in the song for them to like, recover especially for like spencer to recover is that like is this the place in a song when you would want it as a as a musician you know that's an awesome question and i had not thought about it but yes um because he has not done anything like easy he's done stuff that may be easy for him because he has trained for so long Mm -hmm. but like let's put him on show number 15 of like you know uh, a european tour um this this is hard this is not an easy song and so having those moments you know you as a as a songwriter and as a vocalist you you learn to you learn to space these things out right you learn to space these things out because you can gas out a lot sometimes people will comment on kardashev's music and they'll say they'll say oh like those open spaces are so beautiful and i'm like i love them i love them (laughs) because you're like gasping for air 
Yeah, we, we don't perform. We don't perform a whole lot anymore. And you know, it's funny talking about the the sound clip. It it the sound clip as a metal fan to me feels retro, feels a little mm. old. And this is based on older stuff because in the early, in the early two thousands, it was very popular to use sound clips from classic cult movies. Oh. In yeah, so there was a band here in Arizona called Knights of the Abyss, and um, the the uh, I can't remember the t- name of the song. The lyrics are probably definitely not great <laughs> to mention here, but it, you know the 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 song was like you know dun, 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 brr, brr, dun, whatever it was doing. I don't remember. And then it pauses, and then you just hear Sam uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, hmm. This is a tasty burger, <laughs> and then it's you know I, I think that's from Pulp Fiction, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was really popular. You had some from other movies like Step Brothers. There's Excellent. this one where this guy's like, "Mom, the meatloaf," <laughs> and then you know it comes yes. in. So when I when I heard the sound clips, I was like, I was like, oh, that reminds me of. Oh, that cool. reminds me of that era of metal. Yeah, yeah. Because what it does for me as a horror fan, right? So obviously, like again, at this point, as I mean, on well, no. Like by line three or four, as a horror fan, I probably have figured out what the song is if I haven't read the title, right? But like, not only is it is it an homage to to the film, obviously, but Friday the Thirteenth is an interesting film because I'm not entirely sure if I should be sympathizing, who I should be sympathizing with, right? Like, obviously, hmm. she is murdering people. That's not great. Um, they didn't really do much to deserve it. That's also not great. But like. Again, to go back to my like thesis of the night, which is that camp is ridiculous. Like the concept of that we have these things where we shove our children so that they can be around these like barely teenagers who are gonna take care of them doing these extreme things. The fact that more people don't die every year at camp, I think, is the real like <laughs> profound thing, right? And yeah. like Halloween and some of the other early slashers, including like Black Christmas, they make it real clear. This is the bad guy. These are the good guys. And you should feel very whatever. But that speech between Alice, our final girl, and and Pam Voorhees, it, you're not sure if you should, who you should be rooting for. Later in the franchise, uh, you know, Jason, because he doesn't talk, it's real easy to be like, ah, oh, bad guy, clearly bad guy. But like, this film is much more ambivalent. And I think putting her in here and having it be in this, like, again, the the first person of, like, we are the problem, right? We are the mistake. Uh, it's just, I think, a really interesting decision to do it. And it shows just how confusing this film is, for better and worse. Was that, you know, was that a, a common in the time? Because, you know, in in today's movie landscape, we often want our, our her- heroes and our villains very gray. Yeah. Um, and like the hero, you know, there's that there's that meme where it's like, you know, you're 10 seconds into the hero uh, into the villain speech and Loki, you kind of agree, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> like every time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was was it was so was this like a really change of the format to have a little bit of sympathy for the bad guy? Yeah, I think so. So one of the one of the scholarships that has has completely affected how I think about horror, because I, I couldn't figure out why, like, I really like Stephen King, but I don't think he's scary. Right. And I yeah. couldn't figure out, like, how can I say that about the person that literally wrote most of our nightmares? Um, and it's because of, of like this concept between the difference between affirmative versus disaffirmative horror and affirmative horror is like, you know what? We got rid of the bad guy. Don't worry. He was an outsider. You know, he was a, he was a freak and but he's gone. And so now we can return back to the way things are. And that's like Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Like, don't worry. We got rid of the creepy pedophile, um, you know, and then then you realize actually like 
there's more issues, right? So Nightmare on Elm Street gets a little um, tricky, but like Halloween, it was real black and white, right? It was like, he is scary. We will get rid of him. Don't worry. Um, and then there's disaffirmative horror, which says like, we, we realize that we are the problem, right? Like that culture is the, the issue and that like the things we make are the problems we have. And I think like Ari Aster is a good example of someone that does a lot of disaffirmative stuff. Certainly Jordan sure. Peele, all of his stuff oh, is, yeah. Cause yeah. you're like, Oh yeah, America is the problem. Thank you for that reminder, which I don't feel like we need much of a reminder, but like, thank sure. you. Uh, and I think, so I think Friday the 13th is, is funny because you could read it as just being affirmative, right? We got rid of the creepy mom um, and you know, the camp counselors win and, and everything's gonna get back to normal. Or you could sure. read it as, as like this really sort of transformative film that's like actually maybe we're the problem, right? Like, and maybe she's mm. not doing it in a healthy way, but like responding to a problem that she sees in a very real way. And I think the song like plays with that tension, even in the music video, because like Spencer's character of Spencer, like you're not entirely sure if he's the good guy or the bad guy by the very end when he's right. getting all stalkery. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think you're onto something there. I think, I think there's, there's a paper that needs to be written. I would love um, to. I don't feel like there's hardly any scholarship written on horror music. And I don't know if that's just because like on horror soundtracks, but like, I don't know if there is, and I don't know if it's just because nobody's done it yet or no one wants to read it. I'm not sure. I'd have to find out first if anyone would read it, but like, that would yeah. be fun. I think. You know, give it a try. Throw it out there. Yeah, I don't of course know. It has I don't know what it spell like epiglottal. So <laughs> yeah, there's that. And and you know, I don't know what goes into writing. Like I haven't written an academic paper in uh, probably twenty years. And like, why should years? you have? Yeah. yeah, it should be closer to ten, right? Because twenty 10, years 10, would yeah. have been like fifteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ten years, ten years, ten years. Uh, but like, why should you? Right? No one. I honestly think no one should be writing academic papers but you know that's just yeah that's just me okay so just, we're yeah we're a minute and 43 seconds in to what is it, like a four and a half minute song <laughs> um, yeah so maybe we should give this yeah. next section a bit of chunk yeah yeah we can give it oh chunk gross okay <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i'm sorry no, it's, it's, i didn't know I... it actually is the perfect word for what it is um yeah. but like i love it and i hate it i don't know there's just it feels good but it, it feels gross that it feels good to say it. That's my thoughts the, about chunk. The word feels like when you're drinking something and there's something hard in there that yes. shouldn't be there. Yes. And then you're sad, but also yep. a little curious. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So tell me when, but we'll do a bigger chunk.
Did you, yeah, was so that this, a sign, or did I just like? Were you just vibing, and I just paused it mid vibe? No, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. I okay. I always pause it when people are vibing. People hate it, and I love it. So, <laughs> um, good. So a couple, of, what, two things that I noticed there. I'm sure you have your own thoughts as well. Uh, the first is obviously a vocal thing, but obviously, you know, sometimes, and you, you've probably picked this up. You know, sometimes his vocals, it's just all like, mm-hmm. like there's no there's no audible tonality, um, and then. Other times he's adding that audible tonality and that is part of the genre that's, you know, Mm. it's, it's not necessarily something that he is doing that is, I would say, overly unique. A lot of people who do their fry screams will, will mix that tonality in. However, I do think that it aids the genre that they're kind of creating uh, because it sounds like a horrified scream. It sounds like someone who is, is, is terrified. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it certainly fits it certainly fits what they're doing and then of course you know we have that breakdown and then we what do we have high shrill yeah. bright violin strings right and so they they're definitely bringing it home but it's not it's not heavy handed it's not on the nose no. you know what i mean those those are my two thoughts and this is like i mean the lyrics this is when he's like rising up right so so friday the 13th as as drew barrymore's character learns and scream right it's not it's not Jason that's the killer. It's it's Pamela Voorhees. But like from this point on in the song, right, he's rising up with a machete in one hand and an axe in the other. And I feel like there's there is a shift in, in the music in terms of, of what we're getting as as like the song shifts a little bit from Jason sure. the victim to Jason the killer. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't like I don't know if they intended that because because I, I don't know. And, you know, like I always joke with my students that like sometimes a writer just makes the curtains blue because that's a color that came to mind, right? Like it's not yeah, always yeah. some sort of like the melancholy of middle age. You know, sometimes it was just like they looked up, they saw the color blue, they put that down. Uh, but yep. I, I can't help but notice that we are shifting in terms of some of what, what we're hearing as it shifts from Jason, the victim, right? Who drowned in all our sins, drowned in our mistakes, to Jason, the machete in one hand, axe in the other, right? Which is a very sure. different Jason <laughs> than, than the little right. creepy child baby that drowns in the, the film. Yeah, no, I think you're onto something for sure. I, I think uh, I think, I think think a lot of what they, I, I've heard that as well, the curtain's blue. I can't remember what that's from, yeah. but um, <laughs> you know, like... uh, I've, I've heard that for sure. But I, I, I think that that happens a lot, but I, I do sense a lot of intentionality in the song, yeah. right? I do sense a lot of intentionality there. Um, you said it better than I can, so no, I, I, no. there's no reason for me to repeat you. But I think that's one of the reasons that I really like Ice Night Kills, though, is that I do feel like they're not just doing this as a shtick, right? Like, they love the genre so deeply, and they, they must watch these films over and over to really capture the vibe. And, and like we said, Friday the 13th, so there's Friday the 13th, and then there's the rest of the franchise. And the rest of the franchise, yeah. I mean, he's he's in space, and, like, he's, yeah. you know, hacking... He, in the second film, he pushes someone in a wheelchair down the stairs. I shouldn't laugh at that, but I did anyway. Uh, and, you know, like, it, it changes tonally, I think. I think the first film yeah. is complicated and complex, and then the rest of the franchise becomes, in good ways, uh, but it becomes a little bit more traditional flashery. So we're seeing that shift here. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Excellent. Okay. I'm going to hit play. <laughs> Forever, I'm just 
perfect. Yeah, it really you know, is. You, you foreshadowed that moment very, very well because you said, you know, you can't always be in a fight or flight. You can't yeah. always be in a fight or flight. And then we had like this beautiful moment, right? And like in my mind, I saw like the credits are rolling and the music's really good. And then right after the credits, you see like the mask flash yeah. or something like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and films and there was like, like this like made that original, right? Now you're just like, of course, there's going to be a jump scare at the end. But like this film was like, let's do it. Right. Yeah. I think like we, we, and we could kind of hear it happening. Like when, I don't know if I, you know, say it was a key change, but obviously like this, it did, it was like bright and beautiful and chimey and then it got a little bit darker and then boom, hit you at the end. Uh, and yeah, that's like that, that jump scare. Cause you know, all the time, like with, with, you know, older movies, the bad guys killed, but then exactly, you know, there's some sort of hint that they're actually not, not gone. And you're like, Oh, and, th and then you leave the movie with, no sense of closure and nothing but anxiety. And yes. that's what they wanted, you know? Yeah, there's, and of course, you know, now we do it, I think, because we're preparing people for the sequel, right? Or, or the like 17th yes. film in the installment. But there is a, a scholar who does stuff on, on monster theory. And he, he, one of his theories, he has like seven theses, um, much like Martin Luther with his like ones that he nailed on the wall about the church, but these are about monsters. Right. And, yeah. and he has one that is that the monster always returns. Right. And he, he says that sometimes that's literally like, you know, Jason just keeps coming back despite the fact he shouldn't. But it also is the fact that like, like you said, we don't have that resolution because the monster is always going to come back and it's going to come back and it's going to give us something new that we needed differently than we had before. And so he talks about like vampires and he kind of traces like how you can see that vampires always come back when we need them as a cultural metaphor. But, sure. but in, in Friday the 13th, it's, it's that literal, right? She's on the lake. It's all peaceful. And you're like, yay. Right. And then, you know, uh, Jason, for the first time, the only time we see him in the film, um, you know, springs out. And apparently I just learned the, the actor, the little kid, like, just like, pretended to be all official so that he could get interviewed like he had a clipboard that he like just picked up and he's like i see i have an appointment for you know an audition and they're like go on in so you know like Whoa. yeah <laughs> so he you know it's just this little kid that that burst out but it's the first time that we're gonna see uh jason and so yeah it 100 percent mirrors down to the like note what we expect from from our slasher films and that sort of like but wait you know so right. and so we'll be back and and then we hit their back right how funny would it be if the Ice Nine Kills guys see this and they're like, dang, they got it all wrong. Uh, <laughs> that would be actually rather delightful if they were like, actually, it was just supposed to be like a happy song about some kittens. <laughs> we're like, but speaking of the. Yeah, yeah that would be. Yeah. I mean, the honestly, if they listened to it, I'd be so overwhelmed by that that I wouldn't even care that they were like, hey, by the way, this was the worst thing we've ever heard you anyone ever you know? say about our music. So. You should send it to them. That's what I do sometimes really? with my videos. That's I'm wild. like, yeah, they just do it. Like, just okay. just say, I do that sometimes. I'll be like, yo, I made a video of your song. Uh, hopefully I didn't uh, absolutely butcher it. Here you go. That's awesome. And every once in a while, yeah. they'll 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 be like, hey, cool. That's awesome. Thank you. Man, that's so cool. Give it a, give it a shot. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't care about rejection. That is the one thing, like, anyone who ever wants to get a PhD, you shouldn't. It makes you sad on the inside. Um, and, like, <laughs> makes you lose hair and sanity and happiness but one of the good parts about getting a phd is that you have no no worries about people saying no to you because you're like mm. okay it's Who part cares? of it it really is yeah and what's neat so have you had a chance to listen to their completely ac acoustic version of this 
No, no, I haven't. Yeah, so they have a completely acoustic version featuring Ari Lehman. I don't know who that is. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm. Um, but names, again, mean very little to me. And it's interesting. So that vibe of at the beginning, right, where we're hearing the, like, unrealistic, perfect harmonies of camp counselors, that's just maintained throughout the entire song. And it completely sure. changes... It's a lovely song, but like everything that we've said is just completely removed from that version, which I think is really interesting. Well, it's like if you it's like if you watch a horror movie on mute, it's just not it doesn't yeah. matter what's happening. Yeah. It's just not scary anymore. No, it's really it not. might be it might be like off putting. You might be like, ew, that's gross. Yeah. But mute a horror movie. No. Not scary in the slightest. No, not at all. No, because like you said, right, it's the sounds that, that give us the horror. So. Yeah. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you so <laughs> yeah. much, Mark. Like, yeah, it, it and you were like, well, I don't I really know much about horror. He lies as he like, as you like had all these like great insights to say. So thank <laughs> you so much to those of you watching this video. Uh, you should definitely hop over to the Cardivox Academy channel and check out all the reaction videos. One of my favorite things that happens in your reaction videos is the uncanniness of you switching from from your normal speaking voice to your singing voice because mm. your your entire demeanor understandably changes but there's there's something and i mean this as the biggest compliment possible there's something rather horrific about the, there because <laughs> you'll be like hey everyone and then you're like Wah. and then you're like so right. what i did there was and then you just kind of go back um and like everything about your demeanor changes so it's very uncanny so that's what i think probably the other reason i like to watch it so if you're watching this video you should have head over there mark is there anything you want to say to our viewers uh, well, I would say if you if you like music, uh, also check out Kardashev. Um, yes. Our our album Liminal Right is I don't know when you're posting this, but it is or will have uh, released on June 10th. It's not horror themed, uh, but it is metal, and it's being released through Metal Blade Records, That's and we're so very exciting. excited about. I'm so happy yeah, we're very very excited about that. Um, it's 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 a long one and it's a doozy uh but beyond that i i just appreciate you reaching out and i i'm sorry it took a little while for us to get it organized but i'm glad we did it and it was a lot of me fun too me too okay i'm gonna hit stop now <laughs>